and welcome everybody to the uh, second episode of Making Risk Flow. Today I'm joined by Kelly Lyles, the uh, first of a long list of guests who will join us to share their views on the past, present and future of insurance. Kelly brings a wealth of knowledge in insurance, having held chief executive roles at companies like AXA Excel, Excel Catlin and AIG. Some other interesting facts about Kelly, she's a mother of three boys, lived in Europe longer than um, she lived in the US, but managed to keep her original US accent. And as you know, I'm all in for keeping native <laughs> accents. Kelly is also a, an avid skier and tennis player, uh, which makes me feel like hitting the slopes uh, again. I've also not um, skied since probably three years ago. I'm Kelly. I'm really excited to have you join us today. Um, tell a bit more about you. Okay, great. Um, well, thank you, Juan. Uh, it's been great to join you. Um, I, I really enjoyed um, the previous episode and your analogy of the Industrial Revolution really resonated with me. Um, so um, about me, I... I joined the insurance industry in 1985, um, and I've spent the last 37-ish years in a range of underwriting and management roles, mostly with carriers. Um, I'm now non-exec, um, and I've expanded into the world of broking. Um, but I guess I would correct you on the avid skier and tennis player because um, I haven't done those um, as much as I'd have liked in the last few years. So um, that's a goal for me now. Well, I, I think it, it's still, we all, we all classify as avid sportsmen, even if we have <laughs> not practiced them in the last three years. There's a good excuse for that. But yeah, well, what, what, is a, what an impressive um, background, Kelly. And it really, I can't wait um, to chat with you today. So you've probably listened to the, the first episode. In, in that episode, um, I talked about the concept of flow in other industries and how it transformed um, those industries. Uh, it's really only when you drive that flow in your workflows, um, when you can intelligently decide how to process each item of work and, and remove waste. Um, and then, then, it's, then you can really decide when and where human intervention really adds value to the process. Um, so we also looked at in the previous episode at how this transformation enabled other industries to increase their throughput um, by several orders of magnitude and significantly reduce expenses. I talked about the example in the automotive industry. But I think then kind of when reflecting why this was not possible in insurance um, until quite recently, it, it, it is really because of this intangible nature of, of risk. Um, but now it's really possible, right? Given the breakthroughs, um, such as the use of uh, artificial intelligence or machi machine learning, that now can process large volumes of uh, risk information uh, within insurers. Uh, so really, we, I, I do really think we now have the opportunity to drive a better insurance industry, driving higher value to both customers and brokers. But I think... Um, I think it's important to acknowledge that these breakthroughs were not available five or 10 years ago, um, but it's really exciting to have them now, right? So I'm not sure if that 
resonates with you, Kelly. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, and I think we we beat ourselves up in the insurance industry for not uh, progressing as quickly as perhaps other industries have, although I'm not sure. But, it, you know, if I go back across my career span, I, I think we've we've come a long way. Um, you know, when I was a DNO underwriter back in the day where there were no computers on our desks, um, our workups were um, completely manual. Um, and our financial analysis, um, uh, a little bit different from what we do today, but our financial analysis was, was done with a calculator um, and, you know, manually writing everything out. Um, and now, if you think about it, underwriters have so many external sources um, that they can utilize or that are utilized for them without them even knowing about it. Um, that, you know, they don't even have to rely on the submission that the broker or client is putting together for them. You know, they can differentiate themselves by that external data that they that they get. Um, and, you know, another example that I use is for property underwriters, you know, back when there was a natural catastrophe like a, an earthquake, if you walked through the property department, you you would find the underwriters, again, a very manual exercise going through the filing room. I mean, the filing room. Do people today even know what a filing room is? Um, but they were going through individual files yeah. to get, um, again, a manual list of what their exposures are. And so, you know, if you think that a spreadsheet was a quantum leap for us back then, um, that, you know, Lotus 123 was transformational um, from the lead pencil. Um, but just imagine what those underwriters of 30 years ago, let alone five, but, um, would have thought if they could see today's digital workbenches um, and our ability to triage submissions as they come in. Um, so, you know, I'm not suggesting that all business can be system analyzed and quoted, uh, but certainly I think many of the more administrative or mundane tasks can be taken away from an underwriter. Um, and, you know, you and I were talking about this last week that in the banking world with small business loans, um, you know, something that used to take weeks can now take minutes. And, you know, if you believe McKinsey, um, it's reduced expenses by 40 percent or whatever. Um, but in both industries, we're able to weed out accounts that are out of appetite, which frees up the underwriters time to spend um, on more desirable business. Um, and not only does that create a more pleasant experience for the underwriter, but the broker and the client gets the quote much faster. Um, and the company, you know, gets a quite a positive hit on their expense uh, ratio as well. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think some people think that the use of systems um, somehow flattens uh, the, the appetite. And um, I, I what I would say to that is not everyone reads data the same way. So uh, a bit of a cliche, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, I do think that underwriting is an art and a science or a science and an art, depending on who you're talking uh, to. And the, the sheer volume of da data that we have um, now helps us inform the risk characteristics. But that human expertise is really what causes the difference in appetite and the underwriting result. And that difference in perspective between carriers and brokers um, is what causes market. 
Yeah, cannot agree more, right? So, and I think especially in the meat market, I think this is different by segment of the market, right? But in meat market, you do want underwriters, right, to be analyzing complex risks and, and apply their judgment. Uh, I think in, in my mind, probably the trick is twofold, right? Is how do you make sure underwriters are only working on valuable risks and they are not having to be wasting their time with low kind of low value or out of appetite opportunities. And the second thing is those risks that they do receive, how do you make sure that they come with the right data and insights so that they can really focus on on the higher value risk analysis? And I think that that is that is that is the real transformation in insurance, right? So but perhaps let's get into um, a few some kind of a few specific examples. Um, for example, if you think about new business underwriting, what are some of the challenges you see underwriters uh, face today? I think that the single biggest complaint I hear from underwriters is the amount of time that they spend on admin and uh, inputting submissions into their system. Um, and, you know, the underwriting of um, submission out of appetite, uh, you know, both of those things are a colossal waste of time when you think that they can, they can be done um, outside um, the human desk. You know, they can be done behind the scenes without um, any human intervention. Um, but that data, you know, even if it's out of appetite data, is still good to have. Um, and, you know, in the old days, to be more efficient, a carrier had to spend a lot of time trying to inform brokers of their appetite. Now, if the carriers have a good workflow, um, that out-of-appetite out um, submission um, is identified early on. Um, through the digital uh, submission ingestion, and um, and it's declined before it even gets to the underwriter's um, desk, and the underwriter doesn't spend a minute on it. Um, but that discard pile is still digitally held, and the CEO, if at a later date wants to reevaluate the appetite, has a lot of information that they can use. So it's the best of both worlds, really. I agree that actually we see, I mean, you mentioned the challenge of the kind of the out of appetite, and that's something that we see as a pain point in many of our clients, right? With most of them actually seeing over 60% of the submission flow being declined because it's out of the um, out of appetite or that's, it's not aligned with their underwriting uh, strategy. And that, that is a huge issue, uh, which, which we are seeing it only becomes worse in a hard market like the, like the current one. But you've touched both on kind of the efficiency challenges and, and the kind of the growth opportunities. Um, can, you, can you say a bit more about that? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, for me, I think efficiency and data and insurance are the holy grail. So, you know, with the digitized workflow, um, carriers can grow and add scale without having to add more underwriters and admin staff. So you're growing top line uh, faster than you're growing the expense line. It's perfect. Yeah, and at the, at the end, that's that's all it is about, right? Is how do you drive profitable growth by um, removing the link between top line and, and expenses, right? And actually, re regarding that um, efficiency point, I was looking at some expense ratio analysis um, earlier today across different industries. And, and what you see is while other industries like telecommunication or the automotive industries 
have decreased expense ratios by over 20% in the last 10 years. In the same period in insurance, it's grown by over 40%. So we are clearly going in, in the wrong direction, which is totally insane. But, but, but even more shocking is are the differences between or in performance across insurers, right? If you look at the difference in operating costs between the top and bottom quartiles, that gap has increased from 24% to 44% in the last five years. So this is becoming a, a clear competitive factor for insurers. And, and I, like, as I said, I can only see that spread um, but uh, kind of growing. But enough about, sometimes I feel like, like we talk too much about the challenges. So let's, enough about the challenges. And kind of what would you think a, a digital new business flow should look like for a commercial mid-market insurer? Um, yeah, I mean, for new business, it's it's a lot of what we discussed um, earlier, um, digitizing all incoming submissions, um, eliminating the out-of-appetite accounts, ensuring that the submission is complete, um, so filling in any required or differentiating data fields with externally sourced data if need be, or returning it to the broker with a request for more. Um, all before it arrives at the right underwriter's um, queue for the ultimate decision. Yeah, absolutely. And this is, this is what's really excited about kind of what technology can, can deliver today and how can power this type of process, right? If, if you think you can use things like OCR technology to extract data from submissions, you can then automatically pull externally available data from third-party sources to enrich and provide more context to the risk. Um, so that by the time um, it gets to an underwriter, it's, it's what, what I would call decision-ready. And then, then you can start making automated decisions on, yeah, exactly, on what submissions best fit with the underwriting strategy and appetite, who is the best underwriter, to analyze is each risk, or um, even push the you know, the simpler risks to a rating engine to drive straight through uh, processing. So I, I think all this is possible today, and I think that is, I think where we should be focusing most of our energies is how do we make kind of this new reality happen. And, and we've touched on 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 uh, new um, new business, but I'm sure this applies the same to renewals, right? How kind of how do you think about the similar flow for renewals? Yeah, I, I was just going to say the same thing. It's really interesting one. An underwriter um, really only looks to amend terms if there's been a material change in risk or exposure. And for uh, the sake of this conversation, I'll throw uh, market cycle into exposure as well. So, um you know, there isn't. If there isn't a material change, um, then the renewal process should be relatively straightforward, and again, eliminating any unnecessary re-underwriting or admin is a huge win. And I suspect we're both um, in agreement that technology can help us determine which risks have a change and which ones don't. Uh, exactly, and that, that is, as I said, it's really exciting that all these can be achieved today. And, and, and we can easily overcome all these challenges that have been present in the industry for um, for so many years. So now let's let's think about like once kind of um, insurers deploy this 
this type of digital flows the, what are the what's the impact what what's the benefits for the insurer um well i mean you know you see so much improvement um for the frontline underwriter um so much less admin um so much more joy in purely underwriting um, but the benefits are also elsewhere in the company. The, the CEO can look at data in real time um, and better assess the portfolio mix or adherence to the strategy or any need to change the strategy. Um, and management um, just enjoys a, a far better expense ratio and insights into performance that you only get when you have that real-time data. But... Um, perhaps almost as importantly as all that, um, another important stakeholder, which is the broker and um, the client, they also win because they get a much more informed um, and expedited decision. Yeah, no, totally. You're totally right, Kelly. And I think that is one of the kind of um, the beauties of digital risk flows. So building again on the analogy with the manufacturing industry that I did in the first episode, you probably remember that um, with the assembly line, one of the major benefits was a higher throughput uh, that delivered faster products to market and at lower prices. So, right, that, that's an immediate benefit to the end client. And, and the same is true for in insurance, right? With the digitized risk flows, brokers will get a quicker response to their submissions with an immediate acknowledgement on whether or not the insurer is going is willing to quote the business and at the end also customers will get a quicker response um, and more affordable products when the industry as a whole is is more efficient so plenty of benefits to capture as, as you said for insurers for brokers and more importantly for the end customer so kelly it's been an absolute pleasure to have you join me in this episode I think it's so gratifying to see somebody with your experience keep on spearheading the transformation of the industry, even if it's now in your role as kind of non-executive and advisor to the industry. Well, thank you, Juan, for including me. It's um, It's been a pleasure. And I, I do look forward to listening to the rest of the series. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Kelly. And thank you, everybody, for uh, listening. And please stay tuned for the next episode of Making Risk Flow.